0: This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.
1: We're teaching a series that we've entitled Keys of the Kingdom of Heaven. And we're using two main scriptures for that. Matthew chapter 16 and Matthew chapter 6. In Matthew chapter 16, beginning in verse 13, it says, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, He asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that you are John the Baptist, who was beheaded a couple of years before. Some say you're Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. And he said unto them, But whom say you that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, For flesh and blood is not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, and the rock he's talking about is the knowledge that he's the Christ, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I like another translation on that. It says the gates of hell shall not be able to hold out against it. The picture is the church is on the move and Satan is on the defense, not the other way around. Verse 19. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Notice this is a part of the building of the church. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Notice he said that he's giving us the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And those keys uh, indicate or keys are of authority. We have the privilege and the right to bind or prohibit here on the earth and heaven will back us up we have the privilege and the right to loose or allow things here on the earth and heaven backs us up but notice that it starts here on the earth now in Matthew chapter 6 our other text scripture Jesus is giving his disciples what is known in the church world as the Lord's prayer teaching them to pray notice verse 10 it's really not the Lord's prayer it's really the disciples prayer and it's not a New Testament prayer Jesus specifically said that after the resurrection, the days following the resurrection or the church age, prayer was to be directed to the Father in his name. Well, the Lord's Prayer doesn't doesn't contain the name of Jesus, so it can't be a New Testament prayer. it's got some great principles for us to follow and to learn from. Verse 10 is the one I want you to see. is a part of the Lord's Prayer. Jesus taught them to pray, Thy kingdom come, which means the kingdom of God had not yet come at that time. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Now is there anybody that would suppose that Jesus is teaching the disciples to pray something that's contrary to the will of God? Now that would be impossible. Jesus did everything Jesus did was in line with the will of God. So notice what is God's will. It is God's will for his will to be done here on the earth just like it is in heaven. What what are things like in heaven? Well, there's nothing that can harm anybody there's no sickness or disease it's a perfect environment it's an environment where there is no enemy to to deal with there is no influence or power of the enemy they can rob you or take from you anything that god has provided that's god's will for you here on the earth now when will it be that way jesus gives you the answer he's telling the disciples to pray thy kingdom come Thy will be done or so that thy will can be on the earth just like it is in heaven. He's saying when the kingdom of God comes, it is intended and designed to provide for mankind for the will of God to be done in their lives here on the earth just like it is in heaven. Now I want you to turn with me over to John chapter 3. There's a lot of things that we can learn from and see from the scripture about the the ministry of Jesus and the things that he did. But I want you to notice in John chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, tells us the story of somebody coming to Jesus, a man named Nicodemus. Well, we'll just start reading in verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, master or teacher, We know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water, that means natural birth, and of the spirit, meaning the new birth, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now notice the the, uh, comparison between verses 3 and 5. He said, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Then he says, Except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So what's Jesus saying? He's saying the new birth is the entrance into the kingdom of God. The new birth which had not happened during his time here on the earth, obviously, because it took him going to the cross and paying the price for mankind, becoming the sacrifice for all of mankind. They could only see the kingdom of God. They could only hear the message that the kingdom of God was coming near to them. But for us, it's a totally different thing. In other words, Jesus is saying in the time in which man can be born again, that's the fulfillment of the Lord's prayer or the part of the Lord's prayer. Verse 10 of Matthew 6. Thy kingdom come. Thank God it's come. To what end or for what purpose? Thy will be done on the earth just like it is in heaven. Now notice also with me Colossians chapter 1. I believe it's verse 13. It's talking about the work that Jesus did for us on the cross. It says that Jesus who has delivered us Speaking of Jesus, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us. Now, please notice has is in the past tense in both cases. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and he has, past tense, already done something. And that is translated us or to place us into the kingdom of his dear son. Now, what would the kingdom of his dear son, meaning the kingdom of Jesus, be if it's not the kingdom of God? It would have to be the kingdom of God, wouldn't it? So notice it's a different situation for us than it was for the disciples. It's a different situation for mankind today than it was when Jesus was here on the earth. When Jesus was ministering here on the earth, he kept saying, "The kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is coming close to you, but for us, the kingdom of God has come." Now I also remember what Jesus said in John in uh, Luke chapter 17. I believe it's verse 21. But it's Luke 17 anyway, when somebody demanded of him, the Pharisees demanded of him, when should the kingdom of God come? Jesus said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, King James says. Literally, it means without outward show or appearance. It said, the kingdom of God is within you. So that means that the new birth, the kingdom of God comes to dwell within us. Or maybe a better way to say that is we become a part of the kingdom of God. Now turn back with me to Matthew chapter 4. Because having that information, I want you to see some things that the Bible says about the kingdom of God regarding Jesus' ministry and how he got some of the results that he got and what results we should expect as being a part of or translated into the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 4. Notice in... uh, I don't want to read the whole thing. The first part of the chapter talks about Jesus uh, having been baptized by John in the Jordan River. He goes into the wilderness. He's fasting for 40 days, uh, uh, preparing for his ministry here on the earth. And then the devil comes and it tells us about the temptation of the devil. Beginning in verse 12, it says Jesus begins his ministry. When he heard that John was cast into the prison, he departed into Galilee. And he came to certain places to fulfill the scripture. And in verse 17, it says, From that time Jesus began to preach. So I want you to notice that this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Notice what started Jesus' ministry. After he was anointed of the Holy Ghost, baptized by John in the Jordan River, the Holy Ghost came and descended on him in bodily shape like a dove, the Bible says. Notice it tells us the very next thing that Jesus did when he began his ministry. He began to preach, verse 17, and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand what I want you to see is Jesus started his ministry preaching about the kingdom of heaven he's preaching the kingdom of heaven now what has he defined already defined from uh, the scripture that we saw in Matthew chapter 6 what has he defined the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven to be he's defined that to be the will of God being done on the earth just like it is in heaven the wrath of God was poured out upon Jesus during the time that he was in the heart of the earth Jesus was born again and he was raised from the dead the Bible says he was raised from the dead when you were justified when you were declared righteous in other words the price was paid and God said that's enough mankind is declared righteous because of the sacrifice of my son now there's only one thing left to do and that is to accept what he's done for you. Hi, I'm Chip Kimmick, one of the associate pastors here at Foothill Family Church. I wanted to take this time to invite you to come celebrate Easter with us here at Foothill Family on Sunday, April 16th. Enjoy some fellowship, worship, and a message by Pastor Mike about the hope that Jesus has brought us. Come join our family on Easter Sunday.
0: Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive. We'll have two services on Easter Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 6.00 p.m. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.
1: What does that preaching of the kingdom of heaven look like? Well, the Holy Ghost gave us a record. Beginning in verse 16 it says and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as was his custom he went into the sabbath day into the synagogue excuse me on the sabbath day and stood up for to read and was there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah and when he had opened the book he found the place where it was written Jesus searched out these scriptures he's choosing these scriptures what we know of as Isaiah 61 as his text for his preaching. Now, what do we already know that he began his preaching or began his ministry preaching about? The kingdom of heaven. Now, and as far as our subject matter is concerned for this series, the, the, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God are interchangeable terms. There are times when they mean different things, but none of the scriptures that we're going to look at are any of those exceptions. Most of the time he's talking about the same thing. That is the kingdom where God's power rules and reigns to bring His will about here on the earth. So, notice what He did. He chose scriptures, specific scriptures, as the text for preaching about the kingdom of heaven. Well, He found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me. Well, that fits Jesus. He's just been anointed by the Holy Ghost. He's anointed. To do what? To preach the gospel to the poor. Now the word preach means to proclaim. The word preach doesn't mean to do something other than to tell. And notice what he says that he's anointed to do. He's anointed to tell the poor about the good news. Now folks, what is good news to the poor? You ever faced a debt or a financial crisis that was too big for you to handle? What would you have considered to be good news? The debt is paid. The good news to the poor is you don't have to be poor anymore. Now, if Jesus is preaching the good news to the poor, and if he's anointed by God to preach the good news to the poor, then what does that mean? That means God doesn't want poor people to stay poor. Everything about this and everything that Jesus preaches concerning the kingdom of God has to go back to the the underlying principle thy will be done on the earth even as it is in heaven so the good news to the poor is that God doesn't want you to be poor anymore notice what else he's anointed to do and folks please understand he's anointed or empowered by God to tell them that well part of me thinks we just need to stick here for a while because there's an anointing to tell people that are poor God doesn't want you poor And even to go further than that, the power of God is available so that you don't have to stay poor or to lift you out of your poverty. That's what Jesus was anointed to preach, to proclaim, to tell, to declare. What else is he anointed to do? He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Now we think of brokenhearted as being hurt feelings. This does not mean Jesus is sent to heal people whose feelings are hurt. Broken hearted means, these are two words, broken means crushed. Hearted refers to the spirit. It refers to your overall life. In other words, it's the same thing that Psalms 103 verse 4 says, that one of the benefits of the Lord, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, and and, uh, forget not all of his benefits, the scripture says. One of those benefits is he redeems your life from destruction. That's what this is saying. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Now, this includes healing for the physical body. But it includes redemption from any and everything that the devil has tried to destroy your life with, too. It's not just talking about physical healing, even though it would include that. And notice Jesus said he sent to heal. Now, that means to do something. To preach means to declare something, to proclaim it. He sent me to heal means to do something. It means the power of God in action. He sent me to preach I'm sorry. He sent me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. In other words, to fix, to cure, whatever area of destruction the devil has brought into your life. Now, what does that mean? It means the will of God. It's the will of God for you. To not endure or to continue in whatever destruction the enemy has brought into your life. It's the will of God for your life to be here now on the earth. Just like it will be in heaven. I've made this statement before but I think it bears repetition. So many times the church looks at heaven as a means of escape. But folks the means of escape was salvation. Salvation. Our lives are supposed to be lived here on the earth as a means of or a demonstration of the escape from Satan's power over us and the bondage of sin and sickness and destruction. But too many times it seems the church is looking for heaven to be a place where everything will be easy and everything will be better and it'll all be over by the time we get there. Jesus said it's over now. I'm glad you're excited about that. Next thing he says, uh, after he sent me to heal the brokenhearted, he sent or uh, or anointed, I should say, to preach deliverance to the captives. Notice what brings deliverance to the captives. It's the will of God for those that are being held captive by any and every work of the devil to be free. Notice what brings that deliverance. The preaching, the proclamation, the declaration, Of the will of God for you to be free. Jesus didn't say I've been anointed to deliver the captives. He said I'm anointed to preach deliverance to the captives. To preach deliverance to the captives. To proclaim. Folks there's an indication here. That when you come to understand what God's will is for you. Then God's will for you can be accomplished. Can and will be accomplished in you. And in your life. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he's anointed me. To preach deliverance to the captives. Now notice the word and. And controls the subject. In other words it should read. Or could read. To preach deliverance to the captives. And to preach recovering of sight to the blind. Notice how the recovering of sight. Comes to the blind. Through the proclaiming of God's plan, God's will, God's purpose as a part of his kingdom being made manifest here on the earth through the new birth.
0: The preaching of recovering of sight to the blind brings sight.
1: Now I know this. uh, Well, maybe let me say it this way. I don't know of any simpler thing than I could tell you. And I think a lot of times people get tripped up by the simplicity of things. Jesus is saying the answer for blindness is to preach recovering of sight to the blind. In other words, it's the preaching of the word that reveals God's will that brings God's will to
0: bear in your life. Can you see that? Next thing he says he's anointed to do
1: is to set at liberty them that are bruised. The word bruised means crushed. Now, I, I see a lot of overlap in these verses or in these, these uh, different parts of the things that he's anointed to do. And it's almost like there's such an overlap that God wants to make sure that everybody's included. Wouldn't that be like him? To set at liberty them that are bruised. That's a lot like healing the brokenhearted. Those whose lives have been crushed. Those whose lives have been destroyed by the works of the devil. He said, I've come to set at liberty them that are bruised. Those that have been crushed. Those that have been held in bondage. Those lives that have been destroyed. I've come to set at liberty them that are bruised. Then the next thing in the next verse he says that he's anointed to do is to preach. Here again it's preaching, proclamation. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now folks, the acceptable year of the Lord is the year of Jubilee. Every Jewish person knew that. Every person under the sound of Jesus' voice and every Jewish person that reads these scriptures knows the acceptable year of the Lord has reference to the year of Jubilee. Now if you don't know much about the Jubilee... It basically comes down to this it's a giant reset button all debts are forgiven all properties are restored to their original inheritance in other words it's the, it's the greatest work that one man could provide for another man to bring things back into its original order a man doesn't have the, have the power to heal another man, so he can't include that. But the year of Jubilee is the ultimate reset. Whatever has been lost is restored. Whatever is owed is forgiven. It's the law. It's what Jesus is anointed to preach. In other words, he's saying that I've been anointed by the Holy Ghost. There's a supernatural power of God available to tell you that restoration is yours. That restoration is yours. Now, he's in his own hometown of Nazareth where he's preaching these things, and they don't receive it. They think they know him naturally. They saw him grow up there and so forth, and so they don't accept what he has to say. So he's not able to do anything of great importance there in his own hometown but notice it says uh, a little bit further down he went down to Capernaum verse 31 and then he went out of the synagogue and healed certain people but notice it says uh, in verse 43 he said unto them I must preach the kingdom they, the people wanted him to stay there I'd be part of that crowd Jesus don't leave our town stay here But Jesus answered and said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God. I must preach the kingdom of God. Well, we have to understand then, we have to conclude that the preaching that he did in the earlier part of the chapter in Nazareth that we just read that he was anointed by the Holy Ghost to do has to be considered to be preaching the kingdom of God. So he says, I must go, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also for therefore am I sent In other words, Jesus is saying, I am sent to preach the kingdom of God everywhere that I go, just like I was preaching the kingdom of God in Nazareth. And again, we see that the preaching of the kingdom of God was the declaration, the proclaiming that God wants his will to be done here on the earth, just like it is in heaven. Now, folks, that's true for you. That's true in your life. And any part of your life that doesn't measure up to how it, the Bible tells us it'll be in heaven can and should be adjusted, changed, altered to fit God's will for you in heaven. Literally, Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, where it says, "And I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven." And whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Literally what that means is this. Whatever has been bound in heaven, you have the right and the authority to bind here on the earth. Whatever has been loosed in heaven, you have the right and the ability to bind, to loose here on the earth. It's saying heaven has set the boundaries. You can establish those same boundaries for yourself on the earth. Now, you don't have to. I hear a lot of people loosen the power of the devil in their lives. And you have a right to do that. Because the Bible says whatever you bind on earth or whatever you loose on the earth that's the way it's going to be. Now look with me over to Matthew chapter I'm sorry uh, Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4 establishes some kingdom principles and that when Jesus said I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven he's literally saying I'll make you masters. I'll make you masters based on the knowledge that Jesus is the Christ and the sacrifice that he made for mankind. He said that's the the basis or the foundation for making you a master of the principles that govern the kingdom of God. Now, Mark chapter 4, Jesus tells the parable of the sower sowing the word. After everybody is gone, the crowd's gone, the disciples come to him and said, we want to know what this means. Verse 11, and Jesus answered them and said, Unto you it is given to know the mystery. Most translations say secret. Unto you it is given to know the secret of the kingdom of God. Unto you, the followers of Jesus, the ones that stuck with him because they believed that he was the Christ. Unto you it's given to know the mysteries or the secrets of the kingdom of God. Well, that sounds a lot like Matthew 16. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and you'll be masters over those principles that govern it. And you'll have authority to bind and loose here on the earth. Jesus said unto you it's, not, it's known, it's given to, be, to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Now what are those secrets? Or the secret that he mentions here? He's talking about a principle that governs God's will being done in your life. He says there's a secret to knowing how to get God's will, how to manifest God's will in your life here on the earth, just like it is in heaven. That's what the kingdom of God means, isn't it? That's what Jesus said. One of the first things that God requires of us when we come into his family is to renew our minds to the word of God. That means to find out from God's word who we are in Christ, and what He's purchased for us through His sacrifice. Thanks for watching today. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church.
0: This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb.
1: The kingdom of God will produce God's will in your life here on the earth, just like it is in heaven. No matter what, you don't even have to know how it works. The secret that will make you a master of the kingdom of God is keep speaking the word.
0: Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6.00 p.m. Or Wednesdays at 7.00 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word